you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of sexual assault, graphic violence, and adult language. Discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. Hi, goodies. Welcome to Innocent Till Tipsy. Got another true crime case here today. A big one, I uh, hear. A very big one. Very, so we're going to need probably all of this. <laughs> yeah. But this, like, the wine today is very on point. It's called Unshackled. And we're going to be talking oh. about someone who had... A fight with uh, the prison system. So, yeah. Very fitting. Yes, very fitting. Although I think like everybody knows this case and knows that they were unshackled, but it's a journey to get there. Who are we talking about? Amanda Knox. (laughs) May have heard of her. Miss Foxy Knoxy. Yes. (laughs) Um, But there's so much to it. Like you have to, there's so much to unpack. It's really like, it's honestly like so crazy everything that happened. And what was wild to me in researching this case. Um, but I'm also in North America, obviously, so different narratives and everything. But seeing the comments online of, um, you know, she looks guilty. So, yeah. Okay, internet detectives. <laughs> it's really crazy. The idea that, like, just someone, the way they talk, the way they act, that condemns them in the public's mind. And it all depends on the media's narrative of the whole thing. Oh, yeah. It's just absolutely wild. That's something I talk Trial about. by media. Yeah. I talk about that a lot on my um, TikTok because it really does take... Like we get only one narrative. So you do, you really have to, if you care about something, you got to like pull it apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of started to second guess myself when looking at these comments. I was like, shit, like, do I not know like the full story? Like what are you missing? Yeah. Yeah. Because I've always felt like a kinship to Amanda, to be like perfectly honest. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I was young doing stupid things in college, (laughs) you know, I was, you know, hanging out with boys a lot, drinking, you know, um, she, she smokes a lot. So like, I don't know, like I was like, we've all made mistakes. We've all, you know, done stuff that we aren't like extremely proud of, or that's also her personal life. And it's just so weird that that was so, um, just exploited Yeah, and out there for all of us to look at and pick apart. And that was what her guilt was kind of based on. And it's wild to me that people still thought that so yeah and looking at it like there was one comment they said well did you see the sink like she must have done it and I was like I've seen pictures of the sink what about the sink did you get that from so we'll get we'll get into the sink later and everything but yeah it's just like there's so much to kind of unpack yeah um with it but let's okay let's pop open the wine let's do this yeah um so unshackled let's see Mm -hmm. um I think it's a red blend (laughs) I love that we're very prepared oh it's okay (laughs) You have to like decode it, except for that just means read it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. 2019 Red Blend. Um, yeah. Nice. Do the honors. Okay. I'm scared. I'm like near. Um, so I've killed a couple MacBooks in my time. Oh, no. <laughs> with red wine? <laughs> well, one was with wine. It actually wasn't me. I'm going to be honest. So I have um, a cat, um, Cynthia. She's been with me for like almost 14 years now. And she's destroyed two MacBooks um, in her day. So one, she knocked she knocked a glass of wine over on it. Oh, and shoot. Then, yeah, the other one, she knocked a glass of water on it. 
that'll do it. Yeah. So both were dead. Um, so it turns out like this cat. Oh, we're like, <laughs> we're like going for it. Yeah, we're just going for it. Um, it turns out this cat, like she was super cheap, right? Because um, she was like a rescue. <laughs> um, but she's actually the most expensive cat I've ever gotten. Oh, because she's well, been two like max, two max over two later. grand. Yeah, so very. Yeah. All right. Cheers to Cynthia. Let's cheers not. To Cynthia. <laughs> I really like that. I think this is one of my more favorite ones. Yeah. Okay. It's not ninety-two like points. I don't know. That's yeah. just like a wine scale of some sort. I don't even know what that. I just know it's, it's close going. to a hundred. Good. Is it higher than a hundred? If everything's at nineties, it seems good. So. Um, no, I mean, this is really good. I feel like this is like $20, $25 again. We yeah. didn't buy anything that was like too crazy. Too crazy no. Um, and it's not a twist top. So <laughs> not like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But no. no, I do like this one. So I'm excited to awesome. hear about Amanda. Yeah. So let's kind of jump into it. So like, I'm sure you remember this whole thing. Um, and it, but if not, like, don't worry, I'm about to take you on a ride to Italy um, <laughs> with Miss Knox, who was in Seattle. Um, super down to earth girl, you know, um, she, how old is she? She was, oh, that's what really struck me about this case. This is like travel broad, yeah. She's technically older than me, right, by several years. Mm. Um, I'm 29, so she, and so I've always thought of her as, like, very old with this case. Mm -mm. No way. She was 19 turning 20 when she headed over there. Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Like, you just think about, like, I think about myself at 19, or, and. You're, you're like, college age. I didn't know what the heck I was doing with anything. And going into a, yes, totally different country. Country, uh, yeah. Yeah, so totally crazy. Um. And I also just want to like preface everything with um, we are looking at a case that's out of our country completely. So we're looking over at Italy for this. Um, any like criticism I give is not an attack on like the Italian justice system at all. Obviously, we in the United States are the incarceration nation. We cannot <laughs> place judgment, yeah. you know, on this type of stuff. So we've already got our own. We got our own system. problems. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just talking and pertaining to Amanda's case. I'm sure. definitely not attacking like Full the Italian disclaimer. people. Sure. Yeah. Anything <laughs> like that. I just, I want to like put that out there. Um, I do feel like where um, Amanda was in Italy was, it seemed almost like small town mentality. And we'll kind of get into that. I'm from a small town. So like I've lived um, most of my life yeah. in a very small area of Canada. So um, I'm definitely familiar with that aspect, kind of how people talk. Um, a lot of gossiping and, and things like that. And that's just, it's just natural. It's what comes with, you know, being in a small area. Um, but yeah, so it was 2007. And when you think back to 2007, like hmm. we still had our flip phones. Yeah. Yeah. Like Twitter <laughs> was, I mean, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, all of this was like in its infancy. Yeah. Like small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's wild to like think of that time because we weren't like everywhere on the internet yet. I know. It's like, I had a MySpace, maybe not Facebook yet. Mm. <laughs> it, crazy well it's funny because the her oh, myspace yeah, gets sure. brought up in court and you're oh, thinking like yeah myspace yeah what a wild time um but that summer before we get to amanda let's talk about someone that is the most important person in this case um miss meredith kircher yeah mm -hmm. so meredith she often went by the nickname of mez i didn't know her i'm not going to call her that um but just to let everyone know um she went by mez by her mm -hmm. friends and family which i think is really cute um, and she was a student at Leeds University in England, and she was packing up her belongings in the summer of 2007 to head over to an exchange program in Perugia, Italy. Um, and it was a town made up of mostly university students. Which, oh, really? Yeah, that's I think like that's, a cool place. They like drop them all there. Yeah, <laughs> just drop them all. Check on. out Italy. Like yeah, it. I think it's cute because like when I went to university, I went um, in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, and we had two universities on a hill. 
And we just, it was just such a great town because it's just all young people, you know, experiencing things for the first time, you know, moving out of parents' homes. Yeah. It was a great environment. So I kind of like imagined, I was like, oh, it's a little bit like Fredericton. That's really cute. Um, and uh, it seemed like it was like a safe city. So Perugia hadn't had, uh, and I'm so sorry if I mispronounced everything in this. Let me know in the comments, please. I, please. <laughs> Break it down. Yeah, I mispronounce like. <laughs> That's okay. Just normally like speaking right now, I'm not even making sense. It's not even a sentence. So yeah, please. <laughs> and now we're going to have wine. It, it's great. So, but it seemed like a safe city. There hadn't been a murder there in over 20 years. Okay. Yeah. So that like really sets the stage. It's it like really calm does. and quiet. And yeah. yeah. So um, when she had originally applied to the program, Meredith, the school had actually turned her down. Really? Yeah. And she went to bat for it. So Aww. it shows you like what a cool girl yeah. she was. Like she just she was like, like wanted to go out, spread her wings. She did. And apparently she had a real passion for Italian culture and the Italian language. So she really wanted to go over and learn. And I just think that's really cool. Um, and she was leaving behind her mother, her father, and they'd been divorced for about 10 years, but they were still, you know, chatting with each other, which is great. Um, two older brothers and an older sister. Um, at the same time, her flat, who, who would be her flatmate, Amanda Knox, was packing up her own place over in Seattle, Washington. Um, she packed um, a lot of things with friends, and as a joke, she threw, we're getting like right into this today, um, a pink bunny vibrator into her suitcase. And she thought she wrote in her memoir. So I do want to also preface. I did read Amanda's memoir. I also read a few other. I read a lot of other stuff. If you look at my computer, it's just all tabs. <laughs> um, so I will be referring to Amanda's memoir amongst other memoirs. I just want to say I'm not getting my information from one source because I know this whole thing. The narrative is like very shifted. And I just want to make sure it's not just Amanda's narrative that I'm looking at, which is like, I think insanely important to mention. But Amanda said that her throwing that pink bunny vibrator at the time, it was just like a funny joke thing, you know, in, and then like, she was like, that was my first mistake, which kind of made me mad that it seemed like she was almost still blaming herself in that because I'm like, God, I was 19. Like, I probably would have chucked the paint. In. I wouldn't yeah. put it in as a joke. I would have said, yeah. <laughs> You're like, this is my legit <laughs> This is essential <laughs> for my travel over. <laughs> she also had made, like, this pact with herself of going over and making sure she made the best of Italy. And she wanted to experience, like, no tie sex, like, kind of thing, right? Like, just, like, no strings attached. Just yeah. having fun. You know, what happened? Well, you. she's young. She's like, young. Yeah. Go, like, live your life. Do you, girl. Um, and she wrote about it in like all of her journals and everything. And that comes up so much later. Um, but yeah, this really struck me how young she was. So Amanda was 19, turning 20. And then Meredith was 21. And I don't think I would have been that brave uh, to go over. But you said you had done like an exchange program. I did program, a study right? abroad. How, how yeah. old were you? Like what? Um, well, okay. So like, like 17, 18. 17, 18, I would die. I was 18. I would have died. Me coming from like a small town. And I'm like, yeah, you just like pack your stuff up and like you just go and you meet who you meet and you're just ready to like embrace the experience. You're like, I'm going to try new food. I'm going to go new places. I'm going to meet new people. I'm just going to do where the trip takes me. You were so brave because I was thinking in writing this, I was like, how brave were these young girls to just pack up and go to a country they've never been to before? (laughs) Just like, I, I could never, I could never. Well, Wild. because you're like, this door open, I'm going to take this experience. Man. So you're just like open-minded and it just 
man, good go where you. you go. The most I ever did was a Disney internship. <laughs> yeah, right. You that, know you're safe. But those are all like people. <laughs> that's a very similar experience because those are all people from everywhere that sure. are like, hey, yeah. I'm just going to go do this. And you like make new friends. Yeah. I just like the language. There's not like a language barrier or anything. I think like going to where did you end up going? Um, Mexico. But even in these study abroad trips, typically you're like, OK, a lot of people speak English and okay. we're all here to learn like Italian. Or, yeah. Like so you're like finding new friends to practice with and locals to practice Fun. with. And, okay. Yeah. Okay, so not as like terrifying not ter- as it, as too it terrifying. Seems. <laughs> um, so Amanda had actually like saved um all of her money up for this trip. I don't know about Meredith. I it was honestly really hard to find stuff um on Meredith. Yeah, I tried to so include much. her. I, uh, there's about there's everything so else. About everything I mean, else and not her. Yeah, it really sucks. Um, but um, Amanda had saved up for years, and she actually had gone to her stepfather over this and was very scared to like tell him like she wanted to go do this. And he felt like she was a little bit too naive to go and what have you. But he relinquished and said that he was proud that she'd come up with all these funds herself. And so Amanda went overseas and they, her and Meredith would meet on September 20th, 2007, the day that Amanda moved into the flat that they shared with two other girls. Um, So there's, those girls had already been in that flat for a couple of months. Okay. I feel like as a woman, it's a little bit of a dangerous territory to get into uh, with girls that had already made their Yeah, because you're not all new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the new girl and yeah. they're established. Yeah. yeah. Just as someone, I worked like in aesthetics for a while, you know, <laughs> doing like, nails and stuff. And I'm like, women are scary mm-hmm. at times. <laughs> um, also in that, like that flat. So it was like split into two. So uh, the upstairs flat was the girls. Um, and then the downstairs flat was the boys. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about their other roommate, Philomena, um, but I've tried to leave the, their names out as much as possible because I'm sure they're just sick of hearing their names attached to this case. I would yeah. be, I would be like, it's probably an extremely like a traumatic event for them. Um, but Philomena does come into play a little bit. Um, and I've had tons of roommates in my time. I've never been particularly close to, there's only one of them that I was like, exceptionally close you to. You go into it like wide-eyed and like, you're yeah. like, oh, my roommate. And then by the end you're like, yeah. I need out of here. Get me out. I know. I'm ready to move. <laughs> you definitely learn a lot about yourself. And if you can find like a friend through that experience, I mean, great. But like, yes. I find it rarely. It goes really well or like really just kind of falls flat. Exactly. <laughs> Roommates. But Amanda had said in her memoir that her and Meredith were actually getting along super awesome because they were both, as you know, they could speak the same, same language together. Yep. They both had a passion to learn the Italian language together. And they were both the youngest in the house. Oh, okay. So they kind of like clicked on that. They kind of arrived at the same time? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I will say, and I wasn't going to say this, I've always thought personally that Amanda kind of carries herself a little differently than all of us do mm-hmm. um, in talking. Like she just is a little bit off. And she actually said that herself about herself in her memoir, that she doesn't always pick up on the social norms. Yeah. She feels like stiff mm-hmm. kind of, or like a little bit yes. like... Um, like non-reactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd even watch Flat the, affect. Yeah. yeah. There's this guy on here, Dr. Grande. I watched a little thing on him. He does amazing stuff on YouTube. Um, where he kind of picks apart people's he's not like diagnosing them, he says, but he is like a psychologist, mm-hmm. psychiatrist. So he um had looked at Amanda um and said that he gets the sense that she's got kind of like a I'm better than everyone kind of mentality. I can kind of see where he's heading on with there because like she does you know, hold herself to a certain standard. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can definitely see where he's vibing with that. But um, 
the, I believe it was the first night Amanda went to dinner with her new flatmates when she moved in and she started belting out this like popular song. Like she's just, and that reminds me of me because I'm, I'm super oh loud and like, you know. And the rest of the world thinks Americans are obnoxious. Yeah, 100%, <laughs> just saying, yeah, so sorry. she's just sitting there and she's like screaming They're like, out. this American girl. Uh, 100%. So the whole restaurant was like looking at her like, what the heck are you doing? And she realized that what she'd done was ex- insanely rude, you know, yeah, in Italy. Like right? interrupting everybody. Yeah, yeah. And um, she was just like kind of taken aback by how this like behavior that was just kind of normal over here was like almost offensive, you know, yeah. over there. Um, so yeah, there was definitely like a little bit of a break there. And I know that her other roommates had said that she was sometimes, you know, like the loudest of all of them during Amanda's like first couple of months, she got settled into like the swing of things, you know, she's going to school and everything. And she realized that the university of foreigners where she was going wasn't exactly as like studious okay. as she like pictured it being. Um, so she had like a, a bunch of free time and stuff and, and she was like, you know, partying, she was sure. smoking marijuana. So that definitely should be noted. Cause that comes into play. Um, and the boys downstairs, they had like a connection to someone to get them weed. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she got a job as a bartender that was owned by Patrick Lumumba. Um, and this, um, he, she, he felt like, or she felt like she'd been hired from, for her looks, which is interesting to me because Amanda even said like, I'm not that attractive, but I guess over in Italy, like you're like a novelty. Cause you're like, this is the American girl. And she looks very American mm-hmm. and, it's and you know, whatever. And it's a bartender job. It's like uh-huh. all bartenders are hired somewhat off their looks for the most part. Oh yeah. You're like 100%. In- Customer service. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I feel like it should be noted because sometimes I'm always like, well, what do you mean an American girl is a novelty? But like, it's the same as over here. Like when a British boy comes over and the girls are yeah, like, like, your oh accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah like your accent. Yeah, your accent. Lost to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she felt like that was kind of why she'd been hired. Um, and um, she had been kind of like, you know, just living her best life, um, meeting boys there and whatever. And that was until she, like having like this, all this casual sex until she met a certain boy. So her and Meredith went to a string um, and piano quintet. So it was October 25th, and that's definitely something to note. So they'd they only been in um, Perugia, like, God, they arrived in September, did I say earlier? I believe. Not long then. Yeah, so she hadn't been there, like, a long time at all. And it was October 25th, and um, she walked into this area, and she saw a boy. And this boy seemed really nerdy, really wiry, like definitely like her type, right? And he said when he saw her, he was like, who is this girl? I just think it's so cute. I know. Like um, the heart emoji eyes. Are- yeah. <laughs> and so they um, introduced, you know, each other and he started speaking Italian, but then, you know, yeah. swapped into English because he realized, you know, she was like American. Um, and they hung out that night. Um, they smoked together and then they ended up, she stayed at his place. So, I mean, yeah. So, and so that like week she basically lived at his, at Raphael's house. So this was Raphael Selecito, um, young man. Um, he had his own apartment. His father is like this, like well-known neurologist. So he's a pretty well-off kid, Mm -hmm. right? Has his own apartment over there. Um, so she was basically living at his house and you know, like when you're, you think you're like in love and you're young. You just don't want to leave your person, you know? Yeah. And well, she's also like committed to like this experience again, back like, okay, I'll try anything. And like, you just bond with who you bond with and you just roll with it. Definitely. Definitely. So she was just kind of going home to like grab food, shower, you know, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> then go back to Raphael's house. I mean, Hey, you got like a cute Italian boy with an accent. Why not? <laughs> and like, there's this hopeless romantic aspect of me that like wants to believe like if none of this had ever happened, like would they still 
I mean, that's the story's cute so far, right? Like it could have gone like a different direction. Amanda did say in her memoir, she was like, well, you know, I think we were more in love with love than we were with each other. Like, you know, like just the idea. Yeah, it's a cute idea of meeting someone abroad, sure. Um, And they both had like so many similar interests. Um, But what's crazy is like the short amount of time they dated before the actual crime happened. So remember they started October 25th um, and then Halloween happened. So Halloween, not such a big holiday overseas, but they are in a university town. Sure. People did partake that night. Meredith actually went to a dinner party. Um, Amanda had gone into work, but I believe she was released early um, from work and went over to Raphael's. I believe um, that's what happened. Um, But Meredith um, had gone out to this dinner party. She dressed up as a vampire. Uh, Yeah, really kind of cute. And then she'd come home the next day and Amanda and Raphael were sitting, eating some food in the living room. And they they both discussed what had happened on Halloween, how everything had gone and all of that. So that night of November 1st, that's All Saints Day. So that is a big holiday over in Italy. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, well, when you think of it, so me as like a Halloween freak, um, the reason we have Halloween the way we have Halloween is because the pagans celebrated Samhain. Got it. And then the Catholics adopted that, you know, to to translate into Christianity. So Mm -hmm. that's the reason we have All Saints Day. That's like the Catholic rendition of Samhain. Um, so that's my, my little history lesson. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then Dia de los Muertos. It's like, yeah, like just all of these holidays. Got yeah. It. So, um, uh, I guess Meredith that evening had gone out for a movie. Um, and then she was, she probably returned back to the flat around 9 PM that evening. Um, on November 2nd, the next day, Amanda goes home to shower and get fresh clothes before going back to Raphael's. She was also picking up a mop because he had this, yeah, it's weird. He had a sink leak apparently in his um, apartment that night and they were going to, they were about to go away on a like weekend trip. Oh, um, so they got to like tidy up. Exactly. Yeah. Sure yeah. So she went back to the um, flat to like gather those things. When she arrived at the flat, so the door that they had, um, it was open. Uh, yeah, no one likes to do that. You're like, this no. is supposed to be locked. Yeah. So Amanda though said that it, this wasn't weird to her because the door didn't latch unless she locked it. Oh, okay. It's so sketchy to me as a girl. Yeah, that, but like, yeah. you know what's broken in your house. I suppose. You're like, this thing kind of works. I'm like, I would be like, I need this fixed. I don't yeah. know who yeah. I'm renting from, but I like, as women that are living, you know, alone together, I'm like, I w- I'm going to need this fixed now, please. <laughs> Go But <Karen>. maybe good, good, <laughs> good luck, like somewhere where you're just like a student traveler and you're like going to ask your landlord. You're like, oh yeah, you don't even know who it is, you know? Yeah. So Amanda went in. She didn't really think much of it. You know, locked the door, went and um, started to have her shower. Before she hopped into the shower, she saw some blood droplets in the sink. And so she was like, that's weird. But one of the girls had gotten their ears pierced that week. So she thought maybe that. Me personally, I would think, period, and I'd be mad. You'd be like, gross, roomies. Yeah, yeah. disgusting. I'd be making a passive-aggressive note, you know, to hang up <laughs> on, on the, the mirror. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, clean this up. <laughs> yeah, this is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> um, then she goes over to the shower, gets in the shower, has her shower, pops out, and she notices that there's blood on the bath mat, to which then she thinks maybe Meredith has her period. And, yeah, me, I'm a horrible roommate. I would have been like, what the... F-? I might have been, like, banging on her door. I've been like, ma'am, please see this. Don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> please. Um, but she um, left the bathroom. She Like, I feel like Amanda's, like, pretty, like, chill. Yeah. Um, she left the bathroom and she went over to the far end bathroom, a different bathroom, because Philomena had a hairdryer, um, which also I would have been mad at as a roommate of being like, why the hell are you using my hairdryer? Get but your own hairdryer. <laughs> Amanda went and went to use her hairdryer. And she, when she went into that bathroom, she saw that someone had taken like a shit in the toilet 
and You're like God released it. Well, that's when she says she felt like this cold come over her body. Oh. And she was like, someone's in the house. She felt like someone was there. Well, because that's not normal. You're like, these aren't my roomies. Then. Yeah, that yeah, did this. Like, yeah. This so she felt like totally like, oh, creeped out. So she just grabbed the the mop was nearby. She grabbed it and and just like basically fled, fled the house because she felt like something was off. Mm-hmm. And she called her mom. I think she felt like she was overreacting at this point. She calls her mom and she's like, mom, what? What should I do? And I can see myself doing that too because you're in a foreign country. Like my first thought over here would be maybe call nine one one just to just to have someone come and look. Yeah. But if I'm like in a foreign country, I don't know how things work. So she calls her mom. She says, "What should I do?" And her mom says, "Go and talk to Raphael, but also call your roommates and see like what's yeah. going on." So she calls um, Philomena, and um, Philomena is rightfully concerned, especially the door had been opened and everything as Amanda's explaining it to her. Yeah, it's a house and of girls. Yeah, so she's like, you know, get back to me with any information you have. She goes to Raphael. Raphael says, yeah, that's strange. Like, let's go back and look at it in a little bit, but first let's have breakfast. So they had a quick breakfast. Then they went back over to the house um, and they saw that all the girls' doors were shut. They first opened Philomena's and the window had been broken. Yeah, because so was from Philomena not there? She that wasn't night. there. She was, she was no. just like, okay, tell yeah, me what's the, up with the house. The yeah. other two girls had, were not in the house at all that evening. Um, and I know Philomena was concerned initially about Meredith because she was like, that's the only girl that might have been, you know, there. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when Amanda opened Philomena's door, she saw the window was broken. She's like, we've been broken into. She like yelled yeah. to Raphael, you know. And Raphael, of course, is like trying to get on the phone to the police at that point in time. But what's weird is nothing's been stolen. So Philomena, I mean, she hasn't made her way through the full house yet to like yeah, know like what, like the laptop, Philomena's laptop oh, and her okay. camera are still on the desk in there, like in in broad, yeah. you know. So that's weird that someone would break in and not take those things. Yeah, right. yeah. So then they get to Meredith's door, and Meredith's door is locked. Oh, yeah. And Amanda had already tried to call her on both of her phones because, of course, Meredith still had her British phone and her Italian phone. So yeah. she tried to call. Um, the British phone went straight to like it was disconnected. Hmm. Excuse me, which is weird. I don't know. Um, And then, yeah, so they couldn't get in. um, And so they told the police that. The police came. But the police were like, we can't break the door in. I guess, like, jurors, I don't know, like, probably, like, legal The room door? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the guys, I think from downstairs, but a young man broke it because... Raphael had tried to break yeah. it down, but he's like this like little wiry nerdy, nerdy yeah. kid, and he tried like, to like oh. hit it, and I just like poor boy. Oh um, man, they like go get a guy. Yeah. Okay. So this other guy, he kicked it in, and as soon as he kicked it in, Philomena started yelling, um, "A foot, a foot." Um, yeah. So Meredith was found in her room. She was underneath her own duvet. Um, her foot, you know, um, was outside mm-hmm. of it. The only thing, and she, you know, been found stabbed. Um, at, she had, I think, forty-two wounds. Um, so brutal. Yeah, and she died of insanguination. So, like, her her blood just, like, leaving her body, yeah. right? Just horrible. Um, it, just, I couldn't even imagine. So, at this point, the media just descended on the flat, right? Everyone's removed from the house. I also feel like, I, I feel like overseas, especially, I don't want to, like, say, this is just from my own thought process. I feel like some people, and then that's just, this isn't just overseas, overly emotional do you know what I mean like sobbing screaming yeah yeah and I understand so I'm from a family of very reserved women I'm not that reserved but I know like my mother and my grandmother they rarely like show Show their emotions yeah 
And Amanda said that's kind of like what her grandmother was like. So she was just shell-shocked, she said. Like, just totally, like, atomic bomb went off in her life. Mm -hmm. Stoic face, you know? And she didn't even understand what was happening because she couldn't understand everything because she she didn't speak Italian. Oh, yeah. It would happen so fast. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden. And everybody's, like, yelling at each other in Uh Italian. And, yeah. And they just want her out of the house. All she understood was that her her roommate was dead, you know? And And so she's outside. And she snuggled up to like Raphael and he kissed her three times. And we've seen those photos, we which are like so photos. incriminating yeah. feeling like ju- from the media. Yeah. Well, it's so weird because like the photos. They made it like, why is she making out with her boyfriend yeah. at the murder scene? Well, the like, photos, you can't tell how quick the kisses were. Because if you watch right. the video, it's three quick pecks, like very quick um, you know, kind of like comforting. Which with the rest of the context would be like, okay, we're this is traumatic, like yeah. let me comfort you. But when you see like the frozen image or when they keep repeating it, it seems like they're like outside just like making out when it's like mm-hmm. that wasn't the the case at all, you know? And then she stares off blankly and there's this interview from Diane Sawyer and oh my God, Diane Sawyer's coming in like a little bit under fire for some of her like interviews as of recent and I'm kind of behind it because I'm pretty sure she did the Britney Spears one where it was like it just seems super inappropriate because she was pretty much slut shaming Britney and it was like girl I know back in the early 2000s it's 2021 but like yeah yeah, I know I know like looking back with like 2021 vision you're always like oh we can't say that yeah yeah, we were really harsh on women Mm -hmm. especially and especially like the LGBTQ plus community back then oh my god like thank (laughs) god we have like you know but um, Amanda, um, she like blankly stared off and Diane said like, what were you thinking? You know, at that time, like what was going through? And she said, well, you know, like it, it could have been me. Like that was just like, you know, if I'd been home. Of course. Well, with any break in, if you were home, you would think like, I, that could have been me. Exactly. And like, I just like, I resonated with that. And like, they're all the comments on it was like, how dare she be so selfish to think that that could have been her, that like, she's not even thinking about Meredith at that point in time. And I'm like. Oh, like no one can do everything right. But I'm like, I would have been thinking like, holy shit. Like if I had been, you know, obviously you would probably, and then the next thought after would be like, my roommate's gone. Like, it's just like rapid fire. Yeah. You're going through all sorts of things. I'm sure. Like I've never experienced something so traumatic. Like I really, I just couldn't, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Right. Um, so yeah. And I feel like too, you have like that survivor's guilt as well. Right. Of like, Oh, of course. Why? What if I had, you know, so like, what if I would have been home? Could I have helped like all the, yeah, all the things. Yeah. So real quick, I just like kind of want to bring it back to Meredith as much as I can. Um, just from what I found. So in researching this, I came across a book that was actually written by her father, John Kircher. Yeah. So very special because her family, um, rightfully, I mean, it's their prerogative, but they don't really talk too much about this case. And unfortunately this case became the Amanda Knox case. Like that's what it's known as. I, I bet like a lot of people don't even know the name. Meredith Kircher, which is kind of disgusting. Like, yeah. it's really sad. So he'd written this book called Meredith, Our Daughter's Murder and the Heartbreaking Quest for the Truth. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Powerful, like, title. And he'd been a, a, a news journalist and, and things like, yeah. So he's got, oh, wow. like, a background yeah. in all of this. Um, but I felt like it was such a beautiful tribute to his daughter, Meredith. He'd talked to so many of her friends, so many people that had known her in Perugia as well, which is was really cool. Um, but he said that the day that November 2nd, um, his ex-wife Arlene had, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. It's spelled A-R-L-I-N-E. So Arlene, Arline, I'm not sure. And I'm so sorry if I'm not. Um, but Arlene had called him in a panic on November 2nd saying that the news report had showed that there was a British student murdered in Prusa. Oh, but yeah, you, like, you do have to think that like as a parent, like when you feel, you know, your kid, um, but 
you would yeah. want to reach out right away. A hundred percent. Just to double just to check know. that that like, you're like, Hey, are you safe? Kid. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, but he told her like her ex husband, John, he told her like, don't worry. There's tons of British students over in Persia. I'm going to look into it, but like, don't stress yourself out about it. I'm sure Merida's fine. So he calls the daily star, which I thought or the daily mirror, excuse me, which is a, like a, I don't know, like a news um, thing nearby. And I thought that was so interesting because my first thought would be to call the authorities, but then you think the authorities like, wouldn't know anything. Who, yeah. yeah. Cause you would Where have do you to like, start? Exactly. You'd have to contact like over in Persia or like what have you. Right. So that was like, so interesting to me that he would, he, that quickly, but I guess with his background in journalism and everything, he probably thought like that's, Oh yeah. That's he knew someone, get. knew someone or something like, Definitely. yeah, try to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. So he called them and the person on the phone and said, um, well, I'm pretty sure they found the British girl's phone. So her family has most likely been notified. Like the authorities had seized the phone. They take a deep breath. Yeah. yeah. So he calls, um, Arlene back or Arlene back, um, immediately. And is like, you know, deep breath. Um, it looks like her family's been notified. So we would probably know by now, but he said there's still like that feeling, you know, not the uncertainty. And you I, would want to know for sure, 100%. for sure. Like to, to hear from, hear yeah. from Meredith. And he couldn't get a hold of Meredith either. Cause it was going to that like disconnected mm. thing. So like, I just, I couldn't even imagine. Um, but then he said that this um, person called him back from the daily mirror and it sounded like a young girl. And I just feel like they just pass this off to like, like what intern had to make exactly, that call. Exactly. And he said she sounded so nervous and said, the name going around Italy is Meredith. You just like, oh. It gives me chills, yeah. yeah. And he said he just dropped his phone and he couldn't even cry, you know, but you just knew. And he gathered up everything and he went to his ex-wife's house and all of his other kids were already there. And everyone was just sobbing because at that point in time it had been confirmed that it was Meredith. Oh my God. Can you imagine finding out that way? How horrible because that was. Because you're so far away. Like yeah. there's nothing you can... Not that, like, even if you were there, you could do anything. But, like, you're just so far away. Yeah. God, it just, like, it wretched at my heart. I was like, oh, my God, I just couldn't imagine. Yeah. Just worst nightmare, you know, situation. So the afternoon, yeah, the afternoon of November 2nd, obviously everyone was called in to be questioned, like everyone in the flat, not just Raphael and Amanda, all of them, right? And from here on out, Amanda's behavior just gets totally called into question, you know, and everything, everything she does. And it does make sense because, you know, the victims are usually killed by the people that are closest to them. So, you know, you, you hear like, you know, always Fair look enough. at the husband, like, the And friend. she was there in 100%. the house, like, yeah. yeah and she left the house and then gone back, back to Raphael's. And, and then it makes sense, you know, that she would be, be a suspect under suspicion. Yeah. Um, so her and Raphael during that time, they had to go shopping for clothes for her because all of her stuff was stuck in the crime scene, obviously. Mm-hmm. But during that, they also went underwear shopping. She needed no. underwear. And those photos of them going underwear shopping became salacious news. Yeah. Yeah. That would like, look bad. Yep. Yeah. So just crazy. Um, she did act completely odd at times. Again, I don't think she totally registers with social norms all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's at the police station. At one point, she said, she said, now this is just her, what she says is why she did what she did. But she said she just suddenly got so angry about everything. She started pacing back and forth police officer told her to calm down um, and scolded her. 
Um, she later was doing the splits. Well, she was stretching um, in the police station. I feel like you might do that because I stretch quite often. I want to stretch right now. I, I, mean, I, too. I was I'm like, like, let me, <laughs> especially this hip right now. Like, like, uh. But when you're sitting in a police station for hours on end, you know, because they kept getting called in for questioning as you, as oh, they well, would. Yeah, they'd be there like yeah. for a long time. It's going to take um, a long time to sort out. Yeah. Yep. So she's stretching and one um, person asked her, they were like, oh, so you're like super flexible. Like at what, you know, what can you do? Which I think is like a creepy thing because I'm pretty sure it was a guy. So I'm like, I would be like, I can tell you to fuck off. That's <laughs> what I can do. <laughs> That's a weird question. Yeah. <laughs> but she, I was like, she showed him how she could do the splits. And as soon as she did that, the same person that had told her not to snuggle up to Raphael, because at one point Raphael had said she'd like snuggled up to him like a koala bear because she was scared, you know, and this, and she yeah. said it was inappropriate. That same person came out of the elevators and saw her doing the splits yeah. and was like, get up, stop acting like a fucking child, yeah. you know, like, so just not a lot of great stuff. And worst of all, one of Meredith's friends at one point said to her, or just said aloud, I hope that Meredith didn't suffer. And Amanda responded, how could she not have suffered? She got her fo- her throat fucking slit. Fucking bastards. That's like... Yeah. That's... <sighs> shit. Like, I get why this is all incriminating and like looking at it with hindsight, we're like, okay, but it wasn't her, you know, or... Yeah, but... but- this is all like really weird erratic behavior and then you have to remember like through the lens and you already said like at the restaurant she's singing out loud like through the lens of the italian people um you'd be like it's a different culture so like yeah maybe this isn't weird to us we're like hey we stretch and yeah we're allowed and but or it would just seem even more weird possibly yeah because they're like this girl's acting weird she's doing the split she's snuggling her boyfriend she's shopping for underwear like and what all can they can they understand and can she understand of the words they're throwing around as well too. Like everybody's talking, I'm sure too. What is understood between everyone? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's probably something lost a little bit in translation, even yeah. like context or like, yeah. Yeah. And so during like all of these days from Meredith being found, of course, Amanda's being constantly called in for question. Her mother offers to fly her home from to Seattle. And I'm like, like looking Girl, at Girl, get on the plane. Get on the fucking plane. Get on the plane. And one of her family friends asked her about a lawyer and she says no I'm helping the police and I'm like you don't don't do that don't do that the police are helping themselves they They have to close cases get a lawyer I don't care how like suspicious that looks like get a lawyer I know it's so hard it's so easy to say that but it's like hey if you got murdered I'd be like I didn't do it I want to help yeah like no you're like but you can help with a lawyer (laughs) get a lawyer to help yeah the lawyer will definitely help Uh yeah no so yeah oh god like I just you look back at it with hindsight and knowing what happened and you're like holy fuck that would have changed a lawyer yeah like I I just can't so November 5th, Amanda's questioned for hours and hours by police. And she's getting, she claims she got smacked upside the head by them. They're screaming, speaking fast in Italian. She can't understand everything they're telling yeah. her. You know, you're stupid. Like, remember, yeah. like, come on, you know, like, and um, telling her she's misremembering things and all of that. And they bring up a text message that her boss and her had, like, exchanged the night that Meredith was murdered. So... She was supposed to go into work for Patrick that evening, right? And Patrick had messaged her and said, hey, the bar is, like, really slow. Um, so, like, don't worry about it. So she's mm-hmm. excited because she has to spend more time with Raphael. Yeah, you you're know? like, okay, I don't have to Yeah, I'm going to go see my boyfriend. Like, whatever. Um, so she texts him back. Okay, see you later. Have a good evening. 
she says that in Italian, but in Italian, apparently that like phrase being said, it literally, it means literally, I will see you later. Got it. Like we're going to meet up later. Like I will physically see you. I will physically see you. Um, so Amanda, she didn't realize that because see you later over here. We're like, see you later. Yeah. You know, I don't see you for two years. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's weird. Um, so they got stuck on that saying, well, you did see Patrick later, didn't you? You did like get him to go over. You guys hung out together. Was he interested in Meredith? Did he think Meredith was pretty? And she was like, yeah, well, Meredith was like a pretty girl. She's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So so, she's pretty. yeah. Yeah. So, um, they, what I, realized in researching this I didn't know this I'd always thought she had like written a false confession you know because you hear she false confessed right Right. no they'd written a false confession for her oh my and she just had to sign isn't that you know if it was in English no it was in Italian it was in Italian it was in Italian I mean and I like don't claim to speak a second language um there's no way no but even if google translate wrote it i'd be like i think this means what it means like it's just not your native language and keep in mind she's just 20 at this point too so she's know and with no attorney yeah and and she thinks if she signs this she's going home she thinks because her mom is on the way and everything so she thinks she's going to spend like the night in a hotel with her mother oh my god like me looking back at it as an adult i'm like no girl you're not like, you know, cause she, she signed a false confession. You did. Yeah. You're going to jail. So yeah. And that's exactly what happened. She freaking signed it and it would be years until she'd see us soil again. Oh my gosh. I guess it's so crazy. So crazy. And for poor Patrick Lumumba, who wasn't there at all. Yeah. He's like implicated cause she says yes. see you later the wrong way. Yes. So oh, that poor man. So he ends up of course getting arrested for murder, right? Yeah. Luckily he's released because he has an alibi that's backed up by multiple people. And thank God they listened because knowing what happened to Amanda and Raphael, it's like, Oh my God, like that man's life could have been told. And I'm sure still to this day, because when people get arrested, when people get questioned, especially if you're in like a smaller area, people always the arrest will so, would follow you. Yes. Forever. Yeah. Like people will always be like your name's and you're dragged through the mud. You're yeah. like associated with it. Yep. Yeah. So it just, ah, oh, just sucks. So in a formal interview, um, that would later happen with prosecutor McNeeny, um, uh, I can't pronounce his first name. I'm so sorry. Um, But he's the prosecutor that we will come to know that if you've watched the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix, he calls himself the, um, he relates himself to Sherlock Holmes, which is a fictional character. Like, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Um, I roll. Yeah. He also said a bunch of things like Meredith was covered with a duvet and he was like, a woman must have committed this crime because a man wouldn't have covered a body. No, that's not true. There's plenty of crimes that say otherwise. Just a lot, a lot going on with that. But anyway, so um, with that, Amanda would later tell him that the police had brainwashed her into saying it was Patrick because she felt like she wasn't remembering right. They were all telling her she wasn't telling the truth. She wasn't. And that happens to a lot of people. There's like three types of false confessions. Yeah. One is to like protect the person that you're like that actually did it. Yeah. One is like the police's interrogation, like tactics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what this one was. And I can't remember what the other ones, but the way they like interrogated her, she didn't understand the language, like just really stressful. Um, and then what also happened. So Raphael never like said anything horrible about Amanda. He never changed, even though they were telling him, they were like, look, she's like giving up the ghost here, man. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell us what you know what about happened? that evening. Like yeah. what exactly happened? 
And he never said anything other than, because they said, well, how do you know she was in your apartment that night? How do you know? Did you fall asleep? Do yeah, you know? that she like snuck out yeah. of his apartment and came right back or something. Yeah, yeah. so the only thing he said was, I can't 100% say that she was there all night because I did fall asleep. But then he realized later, he was like, no, I can. Because the way my door locks, she didn't have a key. She yeah, wouldn't she, be able to get back in. So that morning when she woke up with me, how... She wouldn't have left. She Yeah, there's no way because it locks like automatically. So she there's no... She couldn't have gotten and back in. I mean, in. always tell the truth. However, like, it's not like they were dating so long that he would have been protecting her anyways. That's it. Like only a week. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, a week? Yeah, like yeah. you're not protecting anybody. No, it was October 25th. And then this all happened like by like, I guess November 5th is like when yeah, so, they were like arrested and everything. Right. But yeah, so crazy. So anyways, soon they would tie in another party to the murder of Meredith Kircher. This time, at least they had DNA evidence. So Rudy Gaudet was a local Perugia man. Um, he was wanted by police after three burglaries, and he was a known drug dealer. So oh. already, Sorry, yeah. red flags. And he <laughs> did have ties to Amanda's apartment because they were getting weed. Okay. So there's his, like, tie there. Um, I'm pretty sure he would sell to the boys, and then they, I think that's how that worked. Um, but... I don't know fully. So he was a little bit familiar, you know, with their flat and everything, yeah. right? Um, Gude's um, DNA would be found on Meredith's bra straps, her purse. His bloody handprint was on the wall. His DNA was found all over that room, including inside of her. Oh, okay. So that's not just like DNA on like a doorknob that was like, hey, was we everywhere. dropped off some weed once. Like, no. No, <laughs> it was everywhere. So he definitely did this. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also found fleeing to Germany. Okay. When they got a hold of him, and his initial statement to police didn't mention Amanda or Raphael at all, but later he changed that. Oh, because he was like, "Oh, you think they did it? Sure, they did it. Perfect. Like- yeah, yeah. Crazy." So soon after Amanda is arrested, you can hear on the Amanda Knox documentary her mother saying to her, "Like this is." everywhere like it's international and you can just hear like the shock she's like no and i'm like can you imagine like you're like it's everywhere and just like that every little bit of meredith kircher was totally erased from the media and it all became about foxy noxy the amanda show a sex game cult satanic ritual gone wrong so bonkers isn't it crazy it like went from like a normal explanation of like hey this drug dealer broke in mm-hmm. and yeah yeah meredith and like, even in amanda's the initial like confession that amanda gave police confession in italian mm-hmm. it said that i met up with patrick we went back to my apartment and this is what the prosecution had argued because at one point when amanda was being questioned by them she had grabbed her ears and started like rocking like this if you can't see me i'm yeah. grabbing my ears yeah. and rocking but it was just like and hitting her head too and it was just like from the stress of like everything but um they had said like the prosecutor mcneeny and everything had said well she must have heard a man or a meredith screams that night she must have been at the apartment that night because no one would just do this um like yeah plenty of, of people that are overstimulated actually do that behavior that's like a really normal behavior for people definitely. that are like being overwhelmed yeah so he that's what he said and that was they had initially said well patrick and you must have gone over Patrick must have been having sex with Meredith. Something happened wrong, and he killed her. And that was, like, their initial. So this is this has changed from um, Amanda just being present, you know, to this yeah. horrible crime to now she is the runner of this sex game. And it's all because of the stuff they would find, the friggin' pink bunny vibrator. Like, just the demonization of the sexuality I of I was women. like, why would that make her part of this, though? Yeah. And, like, um, all, like... 
her journals where she's talking about, you know, wanting to sleep with boys, her stuff. And I had read, now this is just from like a Vanity Fair article. This person had talked about going over for the Amanda Knox trial. They're writing articles, obviously, and everything else. Mm -hmm. And he's, she's, I don't know if it was he or she that wrote it, so I'm so sorry. They said that um, someone had challenged them when they said that Amanda was innocent. And um, they said, well, why would you, why would you think that? And that person who was an Italian man had said, well, she was a woman that was having sex with many men. Like, that's not normal. That's not right. If a man does it, then that's fine. But a woman doing that, that can't like happen. And we have to remember this is like in the past and it's a different culture. And that's one person saying that. Yeah. It's not, but like if you thought about like girls in college, uh, college age, like this is not like weird behavior. Yeah. Yeah, No, I'm not saying that's like the Italian culture, like as a whole believing that. No, I mean, that's that one man statement. Yeah. But it's it's almost like what the media was skewing as well. Like not just the Italian media. God, like the the British media. Everyone was all hooked on this. Like she's a sexual deviant because she's sleeping. She'd slept with like all of these men. I think she'd only slept with like seven guys. I say only, but like, Come on, like, whatever, it doesn't matter. And a couple of those men, you know, she'd had an actual, like, long-time relationship with, but, like, whatever. Um, And it was also, like, the story of this, like, sex cult femme fatale, you know, convincing these men to commit a murder for her. Like, it just seems so out there. It seems like such a stretch, like, Mm -hmm. looking at it with, like, actual, like, all of the evidence, like, the DNA evidence. Like, obviously, when they arrest her, they didn't have, like, all the DNA. Well, they might have. Did they have all the evidence? Well, I mean, they at least had um, Rudy Gaudet's, not when they arrested her, but, like, when they got him, and that wasn't too far you know, I mean, after looking back on it, we can see like a, a much fuller picture. Definitely. And it's like very clear that it's not her. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of insane that all the media got carried away that it was her like, oh, her diary. Oh, her. Yeah. I like, know. it's so it's so beyond crazy to me. Um, so and especially since we have DNA, like good DNA evidence everywhere. But anyways, it became like almost a medieval trial, you know, and in the court of public opinion, like it wasn't just the court there and all of that would even be brought in because like they would say things well first and foremost they found amanda's myspace we remember myspace and her nickname for soccer was foxy noxy and that shoot they ran with that one yeah they sure did because we all know her as foxy noxy so yeah crazy um the her journals started to be leaked to the press spilling details of her sexual exploits one article wrote this. I'm going to read it. Foxy Noxy diaries kept from August 2007 until weeks after the murder give a chilling insight into her mind, portraying her as a young woman for whom sex is a key part of life. Not obsessed, but she sees it as one of the most predominant aspects of her life. This has influenced her life in the sense that it influences her relationships with both men and women. In another list in her diary, Knox names four men in Seattle and New York and three in Florence and Perugia with whom she's had sex. It's as if Knox was always hunting men, listing conquests as if displaying them like trophies. Yet in a very intelligent and introspective passage, she confusingly expresses how sex overrides love but is empty. Knox writes, Interesting, isn't it? I think it means that my sex life doesn't correspond to my romantic emotional life. An obvious statement because the only one I'm in love with, even if the truth he isn't the only one I want to have sex with, is incredibly far away. Sex is useless. Well, not useless, but always disappointing unless I manage to establish emotional contact with someone. 
So she wants to like have an emotional and sexual relationship. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, her- you're like learning about your sexuality, like figuring yeah. out like, oh, okay, sex and love don't equal always. Like, Yeah, and one of her friends had even said to her at one point during her travels, because she was having a hard time with just like having sex with boys and then like cutting that, you know? And one of her friends said, maybe casual sex isn't for, for you. you. Like we've tried it. It doesn't seem like it's your thing, you know? And sure. there's no shame in the game. <gasps> yeah. Like, we, you tried? Like, yeah. So it just was getting out of like hand, the obsession that the media and the court had with this young girl's sex life. Like it was like, no one had heard that women had sex before <laughs> and enjoyed it. <laughs> right. They're like, that's not allowed. Yeah, you You're not allowed like to sex. have casual sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth? Um, the pink bunny vibrator was called into court and not to mention that while she was in prison, they diagnosed Amanda with HIV. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So the prison doctor asked her for a list of her sexual partners, like write it out so that she, they can like tell them, which I don't know. Oh isn't God. that you do? I know in the United States it is, we have to legally tell our sexual partners, right? If you come up sure. with something like that, but like, I don't think they like make you, but maybe because I'm not in prison. I don't know the prison rules. Yeah. <laughs> the prison rules of that, but they wanted a list so that they could inform, you know, her sexual partners that they had, you know, this horrible, horrible disease. Um, and they took it from her and leaked it to the press. Yeah. And then they told her that, oh no, you're not HIV positive. Yeah. I feel like that was just like a little jab. Yeah. So she's not HIV positive. They yeah. just, um, Wanted to leak one more fucking thing. One more salacious detail. Yeah. Right? What the fuck? So, yeah. Um, It was just more, like, fuel to this fire. In court, she was painted horribly. She was called the Luciferina, Luciferina, like Lucifer, with an angel face. There's so many things that are such a stretch. I know, like, our media takes things and runs with it, too. Oh, 100%. 100%. However, like, these things are, like, a really big stretch. Yeah. Look at the demonization of, like, even in that time, we did a Britney Spears and everyone. Like, you just, you look back. So, like, yeah. But this was their, like, Britney Spears, right? So, um, the sink, like, if you look back at, like, the media, the sink that I talked about earlier, where Amanda said she'd only seen a couple of drops of blood. And then that YouTube comment had said, well, how, you know, could she have, um... Uh, you know, I've just walked away from that sink thinking like, like obviously she had something to do with it because the sink was covered in blood. Well, here's the thing. The photo of the sink that was leaked to the press, it was covered in, it's a staining agent that you spray to get fingerprints, lift the fingerprints up. Oh, with. okay. So it looks red. So it looks like the sink is covered in fucking blood. So I you're gotcha. like, oh, this girl but did it. But that's not what Amanda saw. But that's not what she like, saw. She literally saw there's like two separate photos and the photo that Amanda, like when she went into, because they didn't have the staining agent in there yet. Yeah, she was she going just in saw shower. a sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she walked in, there was just two droplets, two or three droplets of blood and they're very small. naked eye. Yeah. yeah, they're very small. So I was like, what the heck? Um, so during court, the prosecution claimed that a homeless man who was a heroin addict had seen the night of the murder, Raphael and Amanda, in a square. Um, and so he was basically the witness to say that they were outside of the apartment. They weren't. Um, both Raphael and Amanda had said they were watching Amelie. Mm-hmm. Or I think that's how you say that, that I, movie. I know. I don't. Yeah, yeah. don't quote just, me. This was, oh, I shouldn't have picked this case because I'm going to be out here. Lot, everyone's going to be commenting. They're like, this girl can't talk. She couldn't even read the last page. Spell it out for us. That's okay. <laughs> so sorry. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so they'd been watching this movie. That was Amanda's favorite movie. Um, but he said this proved that they had left. Um, they claimed that they had DNA evidence linking all three of them into Meredith's room. Kind of. So let's yeah, talk what? about that. And yeah. yeah. 
So they would find a knife that was at Raphael's apartment. Um, they believe that to be the murder weapon. So that's very intriguing because you're like, oh, shit. Well, then you're like, OK, well, close. then why would it get there? Yeah. yeah. So Amanda's um, DNA was on the handle, which makes sense because it's at her boyfriend's house. So she was probably like she was there at her yeah. boyfriend's house. Yeah, sure. But then they said they had um, Kircher's um, blood on like DNA on the on blade. The knife. Yeah. So then that's like where you're like, oh, shit. Well, why would Meredith's blood be at Raphael's house? Yeah. But then it would okay. be found out that there wasn't like you have to have so many matches for a DNA actual match. And there wasn't enough for a legit DNA match. So it was like inconclusive as to sure. whether it was Meredith or or, you know, something else someone else's yeah basically so and it wasn't like blood it was like dna so it was like you know um it could be anything and it was found invalid after that right meredith's bra clasp was said to have Raphael's dna on it but it had been left on the floor of meredith's room for 46 days oh and somehow in those 46 days before it was collected it had moved almost five feet away from where it had originally been okay yeah so lots it's just of too, contamination. Yeah, too yeah too much contamination to say that it's yeah for sure match also it would later be found out that their dna on that bra strap linked to a bunch of different men so and that doesn't mean that that no i, I want to say just, that doesn't that mean it's that been Meredith, contaminated it's been contaminated exactly it wasn't like not saying that. No, yeah no, yeah but yeah i follow um, you <laughs> so i realized as i wrote that i was like oh that doesn't sound no but yeah um, so not to mention the Peruga, their forensic department, obviously they haven't seen a murder in 20 years. So God bless They're them. a little rusty. <laughs> like, That's okay. A little rusty. Yeah, it happens, but they rarely change gloves between evidence. <gasps> I just feel like we know that, like, as the sideliner armchair detective, that that's like, oh, my gosh, contamination nation. Like, yeah, it was really bad. And, like, not changing their booties when they were in. Just, yeah. So the defense claimed that it was all Rudy because all the DNA in the room actually pointed to Rudy because, like, his DNA was fucking everywhere. I mean, his DNA is where your DNA is not supposed to be. His DNA (laughs) was literally everywhere, like, a full freaking handprint, also of, like, Uh, matching fingerprints to him as well, right? So they said that there there was no evidence, like, from Knox or Selecito in that room at all, not from Raphael or Amanda. So they yeah. were like, no way, right? And then they came back at them. The prosecution came back with them and said, well, they, they had wiped it all away. They'd cleaned up their... Oh, they only wiped away their DNA. Their they were DNA. like, leave Rudy's. Hang on. Yeah. And I'm like, how... The, okay, so the invisible to the naked eye, that DNA, we just... We somehow cleaned yeah, it up. She just cleaned it all up. Sure, Jan. Okay. So <laughs> somehow all of this, like, hearsay, media fodder, and then this, it got them convicted. It's amazing they got convicted. It is amazing to me they got convicted. It's absolutely wild. So on December 5th, 2009, Amanda is charged with faking a break-in because they said that that break-in that had happened in Philomena's window, that had actually come from like the inside. They said that it was Oh, faked. the glass. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, like, here's the thing that I wonder with this whole thing, and this is just my own side tangent before I get into like what they were sentenced with and everything. Um, a lot of theories think that Meredith was like greeted at the door by someone and they like entered um that's kind of where they think the altercation started started and i do wonder like he was selling them weed like um, you, you might there's so many like, scenarios exactly yeah. like come on in you know right. like i just i don't i don't know but anyways he's if he's been around you know like yeah i don't know man um, so anyways, Amanda was charged with faking a break-in defamation, which uh, to be fair, she should have been charged with that because she, you know, for, um, Lumumba. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with that. Um, sexual violence and murder and was sentenced to 26 years imprisonment. 
For whatever reason, Raphael was sentenced to 25. I'm not sure why she got one more year. Uh, that, yeah. Whatever. Do tell us. Yeah, let us know if you know. Um, Rudy had been tried in a separate trial, and it was a fast-track trial. I've never heard of such a thing. What? But okay. Basically saying he was just an accomplice that was helping Amanda and Raphael. Oh, my. <sighs> These two kids that had no past history of violence or crime. And he's like the, the drug dealer, burglar, or break-in enter, or whatever he was charged with before. Yeah. yeah. And be prepared to be mad because he was sentenced to only 30 years in prison for the murder and rape of Meredith. And so he was charged with the murder and rape of this woman. And he was only charged, he only got 30 years. And that was reduced to 16. But what? Don't, don't, don't worry, don't worry. He's out now. He got released in December of 2020. Oh my God, really? Yeah, he's just living his best life. And he's also probably going to write a book soon. Oh God. Don't buy don't it. Don't buy it. Fuck him. So mad. Like, so the real murderer is out yeah he's out i mean he's living his best life i'm so mad over that like when i saw he'd been released i was like what the fuck yeah and i don't know they probably don't have double jeopardy but like it just sucks that the truth when the truth comes out if the truth comes out like yeah because he's already done a sentence exactly so it's just it's kind of done but not like a rightful no sentence no um so i feel like at the time um and all of you may have known like all the information i just told because it's just like a huge a huge case. It was major news. get it news. all here. Yeah. <laughs> it was a major news. Um, and there was, and then, you know, like there's this marathon of onslaught trials, retrials, appeals. Yeah. All sorts of things that follow these poor kids having to like go through all of this. And well, we I, saw them so much that you're like, I get bits and pieces. Yeah, they're guilty. Okay. They say that, this. Okay. They're guilty. That's like you just, if media, if you do an trial overview, by media. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, so crazy. So at the time I remember, so I didn't know at initially, so 2007 got, I was like 16. So I wasn't really following the case then. But then when I got into around 2011 2012 I was following it because I was you know Amanda's age yeah. when all of this happened and there's even like I'll see if I can find it there's a photo of me holding the Amanda Raphael um in a Santa we wrote it oh, we all wrote in, it in, in Italian yeah. you're like Google Translate <laughs> sign. so yeah um everybody was kind of doing that hashtag you know trying to get them free but it literally wouldn't be until 2011 that she would see U.S. soil finally you know for the first time and it sucks because there's all these families having this heartbreak like Poor Meredith Kircher's family had to go through this like so many different times, you know, and watch know. their daughters. Stuff happened. Uh, like, it's just, it's horrible. So, Did her dad's memoir say anything about what they felt through the trial? So I didn't get that far yet. Okay. Yeah, I had just like read, um, like basically I wanted to see what they saw. And then I read a little bit of his like afterward. They believe Amanda and Raphael. Yeah, I mean, but what a shit it. show. Like what a circus for their poor family again to yeah. be sitting like we've talked about other cases where you're like the family knows that this is not who did this or like doesn't think that anymore or whatever. And it's like how terrible that they know the actual murderer is getting a light sentence or out running yeah, free or I like never going to be tried like or Rudy because it's like, come on. Like, yeah. Cause they, they definitely believe like they don't think that Rudy acted alone. They think that Amanda and Raphael were there. Um, so I do wonder what they think of Rudy being out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what's horrible was after they were sentenced that initial time, um, they were obviously removed to court and brought back to prison. Um, Raphael spent six months in solitary. And that is horrible. Horrible. Six months, half a year of your life in solitary. You imagine? No. Oh, we can even do quarantine. Like, I know. We heck? can't even stay inside. Yeah. Yeah. I really couldn't imagine. So 2010, there was ordered to be a review of the DNA evidence that was kind of conflicting. Um, and they, the court would find that, um, 
the DNA evidence had been like compromised and that there wasn't enough, just like that knife blade, all of that. They also said that there was no substantial relationship between Raphael, Amanda, and um, Rudy to have wanted them all to like commit this murder. Like it's really weird. Yeah, that's just like a guy that they got weed from a couple times. Exactly. Like, it's not like she's like, hey, can you go kill my roommate? A hundred percent. Yeah. Where's the evidence for that? Yeah. Yeah. And they were saying like, you know, um, too, there was no text messages between like no paper trail saying like, you know, like when you when you think of like a murder, you don't just like I'll come you can just like ESP and, like, it to yeah. the other person. No, so there was like nothing. So. Um, Amanda, at that point in time, Amanda's defamation charge was rightly upheld, but it was for three years. She'd already served um, over four of those. So this is like years later, you know. Um, and so she got time already served. Um, and her and Raphael were released finally from prison. Now, both of their time in prison is extensively gone through in both of their separate memoirs. Both of them have memoirs. So if you were like interested in like wanting to know their struggles in prison and what they had to deal with, um, they detail it out like for you, like everything they went through. Um, absolutely crazy. Um, but Raphael was like, he, they both like hugged and she was sobbing when they got out yeah when they got yeah because they'd been like what a nightmare like yeah together but separate she's like sobbing and Raphael is like Amanda why are you crying like you're You're out and I'm like you poor boy because we cry we just cry about it all (laughs) so but at the same time that they're celebrating that they're getting you know excited get on Uh, the plane yeah get on the plane exactly (laughs) well the Italian outside and Bruja they all believe she's like the demon monster yeah they think she's guilty yeah so they're outside chanting shame 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 and it's like holy fuck like yeah so get out so but before she went to seattle okay there were like all these little traditions that the italian prisoners would do so like as she left the prison she had to like scrape her foot across the like doors like a sign of like another prisoner should get free soon that was like a little thing a little tradition they did right so her and her mother the night before they leave for seattle which is like the day she gets released because they're getting her they're getting they're like get on the plane (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so um they take her to this town home and there's a tradition she goes to like brush her teeth and she realizes she just has her her prison toothbrush and there's a tradition in prison to snap the toothbrush in half because you're breaking all your ties you're never going back to prison and then you throw it out get the girl a toothbrush yeah well almost like a sign if you're a little superstitious the (gasps) toothbrush didn't break it just bent and she thought good enough and chucked it out oh my god break it stomp on it (laughs) (laughs) smash that shit (laughs) and Horribly enough, in 2014, I guess there's not double jeopardy in Italy. I don't know oh how that. Yeah, I know. Oh my gosh, I'm like, I yeah, know. I know nothing about the Italian justice I know. system. So okay. 20, I guess 2013, there was another hearing, and in 2014, they were found guilty again. Oh my again. god. And Raphael's still in Italy. Like, luckily yeah. Amanda's back home in Seattle. Right. But holy fuck, Raphael. So like, hmm. And there was talk at the time of Amanda having to be extradited back to Italy yeah. as well. You know. Yeah, uh-huh. I feel like I remember that part. Yep. Yeah, very. I imagine, like, I, can you imagine how, like, like, you would hope that your country wouldn't extradite like, you? Please don't. No. But, yeah. Mm, and it's it's crazy to think that, like, Rudy Gaudet at the, all this time is, like, in prison, only serving, like, a less than 16 years. Yeah, since, and, then and he's like, I'm going to be out. So, yeah. Whatever. Right? So, um, they sh- apparently how they came to this conclusion was they said that there was no way possible that Rudy could have acted alone. <sighs> really? Yeah, and that's what I don't understand. And then they also said that Amanda had somehow managed to clean up her own DNA. I really don't understand why we keep coming back to that because it's like there's no physical way possible to wipe out all of your DNA from an area. And no. Like without being like a an investigator I, of some yeah. sort. I, like, I'd I like don't. to say that that's not possible. but Yes, but thankfully, so at the time, they didn't, they did see Raphael, he got near the Italian border 
and they took his passport, but they didn't require him to be imprisoned at that time. Okay. They were still awaiting on a Supreme Court decision, and the Supreme Court decision finally decided, and I believe and I hope this is the final decision, but in 2015, the final decision said that there was glaring errors in the DNA evidence that had been shown to court. Sure. And that neither of these two individuals had involvement in the murder. Oh my. Like, what, what a, a journey. Yeah. What a roller coaster. So finally, they are completely, and you can see there's like um, video of Amanda calling Raphael. Oh. Like, you know, we're free. We're free. Like, so for real. Finally. This time. Yeah. True story. Finally. Um, so to this day, what I could find so far, there might be more, but I did see that Amanda has received $20,000 in, like, in U.S. money in reparations. From the Italian court, I feel like there needs to be more. I feel like she probably spent a little more. And yeah. she lost a little bit of her life well, here. Yeah, and her name is pretty much ruined yeah. forever. Like, And her whole family had to drop everything they moved to Italy. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like That's trying right. to help fight their, the, help. For the, yep, yeah, the trials. So it's yep. like, come on. But what really boggles my mind at, to this day is that there are still people that believe, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I feel firmly just because of the media that these two kids were responsible for this murder because they were so forward, front and forward. They really were. It was such and a you lose Rudy storm. and you lose Meredith's name. You lose her completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Because it's like now, you know, Foxy yeah. Noxy's whole case. Um, and it's like I feel like a lot of people. It's so easy for us to just read like reports and accept like okay, that's the truth, and we don't really look farther. And like, unfortunately, like we all don't have the time you know, to sit down and like right. actually take a look at something and be like, okay, this do is the deep dive. You have yeah. time one hour to listen to this podcast mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Yeah. You did it. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Um, but anyways, since her release from prison, Amanda's devoted herself to her passion for writing. Cause that was what she always kind of wanted to do. Oh, cool. Um, she's also helping those that have been wrongfully accused. So that's like, that's really neat. Near and dear to her, her <laughs> heart. I'm sure. Yeah. And what's really cool. I thought recently, so she's, she's now married. What's crazy to me is before she got married, she went back on a trip to Italy I would not be setting foot on that soil. I'm sorry. This I don't is think too I'd many. Ever, I'd never <laughs> leave the United States again. <laughs> like, I'm home. I'm home, home, home. I am never going anywhere. Like, that's so crazy to me. How Can you um, imagine the people that stamped her passport coming in? I know. They're like, oh, I you. Know. Okay. And sadly, the, like, the Kircher family was, like, really upset that she had, like, gone, gone back, back to Italy. Yeah. Yeah, and I can under- see why that would I feel like. It. Yeah, they felt like it was a little disrespectful. Yep. Yeah, but uh, crazy. Um she also recently spoke out about a miscarriage that she had on her podcast. Really? I felt that was like so important because right. a lot of women, I think almost like every woman struggles, you know, and that um, was really important to talk about. So, you know, kudos to her. Yeah, and she has a couple of podcasts herself. So one is called um, The Truth About True Crime. This oh, is wow. really cute. Yeah. Um, and then the other um, is called The Scarlet Letter, Letter Reports. So very enough. Like, yeah, yeah, like Hester, like, yeah, like very cool. Um, and so she talks about what it's like to be a woman and be publicly shamed. So that's what that all bases on. She yeah, took a lot of shame. For I think this she one. needs to do like a little appearance on Innocent Till Tipsy. I think she needs You're to invited. Cover, yeah, have a glass of wine with us. We'll talk. <laughs> we don't have to just talk about, you know, Italy. We can talk about other things. Yeah. Yeah. You tell us. Yeah. You tell <laughs> us what you want to talk about. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really neat. Um, she, um, yeah, so that's kind of like what she's been up to. And then, um, if you look at Raphael, he's also gone on to write his own memoir and, um, he called it honor bound my journey to hell and back with Amanda Knox. 
Um, that's a fair title. That is like a yep. powerful title. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. And I'm pretty sure he hosts um, a couple, like he's like a true crime expert now on like TV shows and stuff. Oh, well, because they know the ins and outs of the they system. They sure do. And like <laughs> from firsthand experience, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, yeah. And as I said earlier, Rudy Gede is free and in the process of writing his own book on the subject. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Um, the Crozier family, they sadly still believe without a shadow of a doubt that Knox and Selecito and Gaudet all took part in their daughter's murder. Oh. Very sad. Um, and at the in 2011, when they were initially found not guilty, um, they had released a statement saying like that they didn't know how one man could have acted alone when she had 42 wounds on her body, to which... We've looked at a We've few. We've covered other crimes where there's definitely more wounds and it's a one person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I just like, it's very sad that that's kind of what it is, but I understand they've been totally shaken and like totally upset that this, they're allowed to believe what they want to believe. percent And the, to- the spotlight has been totally yanked sure. from their daughter because of the media. And I just like, I feel really horrible for them, you know? Absolutely. Um, and yeah. So reading her father's book, actually, like it was such a privilege because I got a glimpse into who Meredith was. And you can get most of it online. You can, think, right? You, you can, can read most like, of it. For, yeah. And then um, you can like purchase like the rest of it. It's really, it's really a insightful book. And um, it really brought to light that she loved to laugh oh. and she loved to make others laugh. And I found myself laughing along. Like, okay. while, yeah. So that's it was really, so great to get to know her yeah, in that sense from yeah. her father. Yeah. So she was just really sweet. Um, unfortunately, though, and this is kind of crazy, John Kircher, when he was 77, um, he was found almost in mysterious circumstances. Really? Outside of his own family home. Yeah. Um, so he was outside and he had like a broken arm, broken leg. He had a lot of severe injuries. Yeah. Wow. And he had had a stroke in 2009, which had like prevented him from going to his daughter's like, you know, all of that sure. trials and everything. But for this to have happened, it was just so crazy. So no one kind of knew what happened. They were investigating it. Um, he was brought in the hospital, sadly died um, oh. from, yeah, all these injuries. Um, at first, they thought it was under suspicious circumstances. We're investigating a hit and run. But now it seems the police have said that these injuries were consistent with a fall. Hmm. So it's, it's hard to say. It is hard yeah. to say. It is strange. It's sad. It's very sad. Number one, it's sad. Um, but, yeah, just an, another, like, I just feel like another tragedy, unfortunately, like on top of the family. But, yeah, that family's been through it all. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to end on on the tenth anniversary of her murder, which is crazy to think that it's ten years. I just had we're this drug on ten years. Yeah, yeah, we're wow. almost to fifteen now. Isn't that nuts? That's amazing. Yeah, her older so Meredith's older sister Steph, Stephanie shared a statement with the Guardian, um, in it she described a strong, determined, and caring character of a person that her sister was, her infectious laughter, and her love for Italy. She also wrote that if nothing else, I can remain sure that the last time I saw her, when I touched her frozen cold body and lay kisses on her cheek for the last time, the, ter- the determination to live, the struggle, and the fight that she put up on the evening of November 1st, despite being outnumbered, was clear to see. Mm. So she really, yeah. So sad. No, it is so sad. Uh, I found myself so many times like tearing up over this for so many different reasons because there was just so many different victims. Absolutely. In yeah. this case. Um, so yeah. And I like, honestly, like this is like the bare bones of it. There's so much out there concerning this case. I felt overwhelmed when researching it. Right. This is what you could boil it down to, which is insane. It is insane. Like I literally found myself overwriting and like having to condense things because you can find all the court documents online, most of like the photos and everything. And it is just like such a touching case because people forget about Meredith. And that's like what I really wanted to end on. Remember Meredith. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm just like, oh such a bummer to like end on but yeah what a sweet yeah. girl and she was so studious and she was just she really had like that zest for life to like go and travel yeah to go yeah get herself yeah to go travel yeah. and yeah 
yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. But until next time, if you did enjoy this true crime case, want to do more deep dives with us, we're here every Wednesday. So make sure you follow, rate, review, like, subscribe, do all the things. So you can come join us for a bottle of wine. <laughs> and I do enjoy. Did you like it? I liked it. Yeah, I did like it. It was really good. I think this is like like it's a favorite for me. I do. I agree too. I yeah. think this is one of my favorites. And very fitting, the unshackled, unshackled, unshackled. unshackled. A crazy time. But yeah. Until next time. Yes. Yeah. Cheers. Huda Media Production.